Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 49. These are the closing words of uh, our Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Plain. And he's bringing the sermon to uh, a practical conclusion with a challenging question. It's there in verse 46 when Jesus asks his followers, Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Positively, Jesus is calling his disciples to live by his word. And that's what we're going to be thinking about together this morning. But before we read God's word, let's pray and ask for the Spirit's blessing. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your word, and we once again ask for your Spirit's help, the Holy Spirit, to come so that your word is living and active among us and sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Lord, I pray that you would bring your word home to each of our hearts today so that we are not only hearers of your word, but doers of it. Help us to see Christ in this passage and all that he offers to us in his grace. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 43 down to the end of the chapter. Let's hear God's word. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Well, according to Jesus, discipleship involves coming to him by faith, hearing his word, and living by it. Being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ means that we trust him, we take his word to heart, and we live by his word. And so, as Jesus brings his sermon to a conclusion here in Luke chapter 6, he doesn't want us to simply be hearers of his word. He wants us to be doers of his word. He doesn't want us to simply walk away today saying, that was a great sermon, or maybe some of you say that was a terrible sermon. (laughs) But he wants us instead 
to walk away being changed and shaped and transformed by his word. And Jesus understands, Jesus knows it's possible to say that I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ without actually following him. And so Jesus is preaching to a crowd of individuals here, people who have come to listen to Jesus speak, many who profess to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we are gathered here today as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship him and to hear his, his word. But Jesus in this passage, dear friends, he is calling us to more than simply listening. He, he is calling us to something far more demanding than simply hearing his word. He's saying, my disciples come to me, my disciples take my word to heart, and my disciples live by my word. So to, to show that they are disciple, his disciples, they do so by doing what he tells them to do. That really is, I think, a summary of this passage, what Jesus is saying to us here. Here is what my disciples look like. My disciples have come to me and, and embraced me in faith. My disciples listen to my words, and my disciples live by my words. And that is the challenge for us here in this passage. Jesus is calling us to not simply listen to his word, but to take his words to heart and live by them. And you can look at the rest of this sermon to see some of the things that Jesus has called us to do. From verses 21 on down to our passage today, Jesus has given us a, a list of instruction. Uh, Jesus wants to reset our priorities. Jesus wants us uh, to change our thinking about who we love. And Jesus wants us, instead of being a people who are quick to judge and condemn others, he wants us to be a people who are quick to offer forgiveness and to, to give and give and give to others. And so in this passage, in this sermon, Jesus is telling us that as his disciples, we will have a different set of priorities than the world has. You know, the world sets up as the way of true blessing uh, th these, these things that we read in this passage a few weeks ago when Jesus said they, they will look to, to, uh, to wealth and satisfaction and uh, entertainment and popularity. This is the blessed life. And Jesus says, no, no, no. My disciples have a completely different set of priorities because my disciples have oriented their lives around me and my kingdom. And so even if their lot instead is, is poverty and want and hunger and sorrow and rejection, they can still rejoice because they have a treasure that can never be taken away from them. And, and, and he's telling us here that as followers of him, we will not love in the same way that the world loves. How does the world love? The world loves those who love them back. And the world does good to those who have something to give in return. And Jesus says to his disciples, quite frankly, what good is that? What, what good is that if you love in that way? But instead, manifest the love that you have freely received 
in the gospel. Because how has God loved us? While we were yet enemies, he sent his one and only son to die for us and to to do us everlasting good that we might be children of the Most High. So show mercy as your heavenly Father is merciful. And Jesus is telling us here that instead of being a judgmental people, yes, we are to render right judgment in just about every area of life according to the word of God. But Jesus says you're not to have a condemning spirit that sets yourself up as the standard against which everyone stands or falls. But instead, you're to be someone who is ready to forgive and ready to show grace. You see, my friends, you can't be a passive listener when Jesus speaks. His word engages us, and, and he's calling us to put into practice all that he says and yet, I think if we're honest with ourselves, too often we approach the preaching of Jesus' words with, with passivity instead of a commitment that Jesus wants to change our very lives. Frankly, I think we've, we, we live in such a privileged time period in the history of the church. We have a, a wealth of resources. We have access to theological resources and preaching and teaching that no one before us has had access to. And we've become accustomed to preaching. We, we listen to it, but we don't come with the expectation that Jesus is going to shape our lives with his, his words. Here, according to Jesus, real discipleship, Really following after him involves not simply listening to his words Lord's Day after Lord's Day, but practicing his word every day of our lives. And so if we really know Jesus, then then we must hear and we must obey. We must listen and we must do. We, We must never think that simply by hearing the words of Jesus, we're okay. You know, I had to ask myself this week, studying this passage, Jared, what would your life, what would your life look like if you really put into practice everything Jesus said and commanded? I'm thankful the Lord is so patient with us. He's so gracious toward us because so often we're, we're slow to hear and we're slow to do all that Jesus has commanded us to do. But friends, we must never think that when we're hearing his word, that it's time to sit back and and relax. That it's time to make plans for next week because his, his word must captivate our minds. His word must grip our hearts. His word must determine our wills, and and shape our actions. That is what Jesus is saying here. And this isn't an isolated saying from Jesus. This is a challenge he gave to his disciples repeatedly, reminding us of the importance of being doers of his word. And so, for example, in Matthew 12, 50, Jesus says, Whoever does the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. In Luke chapter 11 verse 28, he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In John chapter 13 verse 17, he says, if you know these things, 
Blessed are you if you do them. John 14, 15, you know this passage, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And conversely, John 14, 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And then John, the apostle says in 1 John 2, 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, James 1.22, what does he tell us? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, again and again and again, God's word is calling us to not simply listen to his word, but to obey it, to hear and to do, to attend and, and apply And I think it's repeated so much because God knows how easily we can fail to listen and how easily we can fail to put his word into practice. You know, so often it's like his word is like water off of a duck's back for us. It it, it hits us and then it just trickles down. We we hear the call to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and be saved and yet we do not believe. We hear the call to repent, and yet we do not repent. We, we hear the call to holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, and we yawn. And so to help us understand the importance of, of being doers of the word and not hearers only, Jesus gives us these, these two parables, one about trees bearing fruit, and the other about a house on a solid foundation. Let's look at the first parable In verses 43 and 45. Let's read those verses together. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. And then this parable is explained in the next verse. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so every person is like a tree. And every tree produces according to its kind. Fig tree produces figs. Grapevine produces grapes. Thorn bush produces thorns. Bramble bush produces briars. And and what's true of plants is true of us spiritually Jesus is saying that we will produce the kind of fruit that matches our heart now by heart Jesus is talking about the 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 core of who we are the 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 deepest part of who we are the real you Jesus is talking about if you have a bad heart you will produce bad fruit and if you have a good heart you will produce Good fruit. Now, not, not perfect, not sinless fruit. Jesus isn't saying that because Christians still struggle and battle against sin every day. But there is an organic connection between who we are on the inside and what we do on the outside. That's what Jesus is saying. The fruit of our lives, the things that we do, are determined by the condition of our hearts. I want to give you three summary statements that I hope give us some handles on what Jesus is saying in this parable. 
First, I think one of, the, one of the basic things that Jesus is saying to us in this parable is that to live by Jesus's word, we need good hearts. We, we can't produce the good fruit of obedience with a bad heart. But you see the problem there, I hope. The problem is that none of us are born with good hearts. We are born as as thorn bushes or as bramble bushes, not fig trees or grapevines. And a thorn bush, Jesus says, cannot produce figs. And just the same, a sinner with a wicked heart cannot produce the good fruit of, of obedience. And, and it's not that we can just uh, you know, prune the thorn bush back a little bit. No, Jesus is saying something far more radical needs to take place. But actually... It has to be uprooted and replaced with something good. We need regenerate hearts. We need, we need to be made new. We need God to change who we are first if we are ever going to live by Jesus' words. My friends, it's so important we understand that. Our obedience to Jesus' word must be preceded by a spiritual heart transplant. Where at the deepest level, God transforms who we are. And my friends, the incredible good news of, of the gospel is that this is what God says he will do in the lives of, of his people. We have evil hearts by nature, and the gospel says God can give you a new heart. And so in Ezekiel 36, 26, the Lord says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And what is the result of God giving us new hearts? Ezekiel tells us in the next verse, in verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. And you see what God God is saying there, by my spirit, I am going to give you a new good heart so that you can obey my word. And so to live by Jesus' words, first we need good hearts. And the gospel says, by the work of the Holy Spirit, God gives his people new hearts so that we can truly, sincerely deeply, yes, imperfectly, but truly obey him. Now, secondly, this parable tells us that living by Jesus's word, and this has to be an implication of this, the first thing that we said. I think this parable is telling us that living by Jesus's word cannot be reduced to external conformity. Obeying Jesus's word cannot be reduced to external conformity to the word of God. You see, Jesus is saying, our being able to do what he says is a matter of the heart first and foremost. It's a matter of who we are at the deepest level of our humanity. A thorn bush can't produce figs. A bramble bush can't produce Grapes, likewise, if we remain people unchanged, with unchanged hearts, we cannot truly, deeply, sincerely obey Jesus' words. I can't help but think of, of what 
an offense this must have been to the Pharisees who were listening. Pharisees, they were all about outward conformity to, to God's word. I'm good because my life reflects the commandments of, of God. They, they thought they were good because they lived in accordance with the word of God to a degree that no one else did. Do you notice what Jesus says? Listen here to what Jesus says about those who seek to outwardly conform their lives to the word of Jesus without an inward heart transformation first. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 23, 27, and 28. Listen to what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, their, their conformity to the word of God was a superficial conformity. They were like whitewashed tombs. Uh, I asked Kelsey this morning whether this was a, a phrase people say in western Pennsylvania. It was what my mom always said. They were spick and span on the outside. Is that something you guys say? They were spick and span on the outside, but if you went inside, it smelled like death. That's what Jesus is saying about these people. And we need to understand that Jesus isn't just speaking about the Pharisees. It's about anyone who tries to base their relationship with the Lord on the keeping of God's commandments without first going to Jesus for forgiveness and mercy. My friends, Jesus wants so much more than our superficial attempts to be good. Jesus wants to save us truly, fully, everlastingly. He, he wants us to come to him and know his forgiveness and grace. And then he wants to begin to transform our lives, not superficially, but from the inside out. That's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. And the third thing, though, I want to point out to you in this parable. First, we need a, a new heart. Obedience can't be reduced to superficial conformity. Then I want you to see that there is a tremendous encouragement in this parable. Because Jesus is saying that, that if you have come to him, if you have embraced him as your savior, if the, the spirit of God has first worked in your life and, and given you a new heart, what's the implication of what Jesus is saying? Then you will bear good fruit. Then, then you can truly obey his word. I think that's a word we need to hear today. You know, there's, a, there's some popular teaching going around today that sounds something like this. Christian, you can, you can try to obey the Lord. You can try to keep his word, but you are going to fail. And then you're going to try to get up and you're going to fall down on your face. And then you're going to get up and you're going to fall down on your face. And that's what the Christian life is all about. A life of total failure. And your total failure is going to be met with, with God's inexhaustible grace. And so just get used to your failure. My friends, frankly, that's not biblical and it's not helpful for living the Christian life. If you are a Christian, listen, listen to me. Yes, you will sin every day. Yes, you will fail, utterly fail sometimes. Yes, you need 
the grace of God to sustain you and keep you every day and every moment of every day. But you are not any longer defined by failure. You are not any longer defined by the title rotten sinner. You need to understand who you now are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to fight our failures and we need to to bolster our Christian experience with what scripture says about God's people. You are in Christ Jesus. You have been born again to a living hope. You have died to the old man and been raised to newness of life. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You have been given a heart, a new heart, that longs and loves to obey Christ. Perfectly, no, because sin still remains. But dear friends, we need to see ourselves as God sees us. And we find that here in Scripture, that we've been given a new heart that's able to want and desire and able to really obey the commandments of Christ. That's who we are. And you see in this passage, Jesus is challenging us here to to bring forth the the good fruit of obedience. But I want to make sure that we hear the hopefulness in this passage. If you are his, I'm about to say something that some of you are going to recoil at. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a good person. Now, the way we usually use that phrase, we use it in the self-righteous context. So oh, I'm a good person. You know, I'm able to pull myself up by my own bootstraps and, and uh, I'm self-righteous. That's not how it's being used here. You know, th- th- there's a sense in which that's right. You know, when, when, when uh, somebody says I'm a good person and you say, well, no, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I'm with the Apostle Paul, wretched man that I am, chief among sinners. There's a sense in which That's a right response. But dear friends, do not undermine who you now are in Jesus Christ with who you once were before you came to Christ. And in this passage, Jesus is saying that you have a new heart. You've been given a good heart. And out of the goodness of your heart, you will produce good fruit in your life. I hope that encourages you. And I hope it challenges you. Am I bearing this good fruit in my life? Am I seeing myself as God sees me in Christ Jesus? Christ has given himself for you. Why? Uh, To take away the guilt of your sins. Yes, but, but dear brothers and sisters, the gospel doesn't end there. Listen to Titus 2, verse 14. Why has Christ given himself for us? Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Works that come from a cleansed and renewed heart. And so I don't want us to miss the hopefulness of Jesus' words here. If if you've come to Christ in faith and repentance, this is who you are now. Yes, you will still struggle with sin every single day. But you are redeemed, purified, possessed 
by the Lord Jesus Christ for good works that come forth from a heart that he has given to you by the Spirit. And so Jesus wants his disciples to bear good fruit in their lives as as they live by his word. But to do that, he wants them to understand that it's it's first going to require a lot more than just a little bit of, of pruning. It's going to take the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit who comes and uproots our wicked hearts and replaces it with a new heart. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that causes us and enables us to love and obey Christ. And now before turning to the second parable, though, Jesus inserts this this stinging question. He asks them them in uh, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and not do what I tell you? You see, Jesus is speaking to supposed disciples. These these are people who claim to follow him, people who listened to Jesus, people who had a respect for Jesus. But Jesus gets to the core of the issue here, doesn't he? And he speaks to them and says, "Why, why do you listen to me? Why do you have this respect for me? Why are you following me around the Judean countryside in order to listen to me and yet not do what I say? That's what Jesus is asking them. And friends, the same thing happens today. People call themselves Christians, but are content with merely hearing the words of Jesus and not doing them. They have a a respect for Jesus, but they do not submit their lives to him as Lord, and they do not do what Jesus says. And so when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and, and heavy laden, and you will find rest, they do not actually go to the Lord Jesus Christ and found, find salvation for their souls. When Jesus calls out to repent, they do not actually turn from their sin and cast themselves upon the mercy of God in Christ. And when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow after me, they do not actually follow him. Instead, they just listen to his words. My friends, the warning of this passage is that we are in an incredibly dangerous place. If we are able to come Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day and listen to the word of Christ and actually not act upon it. Christ wants more than passive listeners in the pews. He wants more than passive speakers in the pulpit. It is not enough to simply come and listen to his words. Christ wants us to come to him and and believe in him and give our lives to him. And that means, this is what he's saying, that means we come to him in faith and embrace him as Savior and Lord and we begin as disciples to take his word to heart. And then his word begins to change us. That's what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to help his disciples understand the difference between someone who hears the word of God and lives by it and someone who hears the word of God and doesn't do anything about it, Jesus tells the second parable in verses 47 through 49. Let's read that one together. 
He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You see, Jesus is not contrasting a disciple with an unbeliever who never hears the word of Christ. Jesus is contrasting two individuals in the household of faith, two individuals who have heard the word of God. Now, they have many similarities, don't they? They They're both builders. They both build a house. Both of them experience a trial, a test, trouble in their lives. But there is one fundamental difference. One of them built their house on a strong foundation, while the other simply built his house upon shaky ground. And the difference between the two was life for the one and ruin for the other. Now, do you see the the question that Jesus is driving home to, to our hearts, brothers and sisters? The question is this, what are you building your life upon? Everyone is building a house, Jesus is saying. You build your house with your life, the things you do, the things you love, the things you pursue. What are you building your life upon? I think Jesus is well aware that some people are building their lives upon what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. Cheap grace is the person who claims Jesus as Savior, but rejects him as Lord. It's what we might call easy believism. It's saying, Jesus is my Savior, without ever answering the call to take up our cross and follow him. It's profession without discipleship. And this is the person, if you ask them, are you, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. But their life is not ruled by his word. Others are building their house on the shaky ground of their own religiosity. They're, they're very concerned about theology. They're very concerned about obedience. They're very concerned about obeying the commandments of God, and they look very good on the outside. Things look great on the outside, but when you inspect the, the foundation, you find that their house is resting on the rickety ground of their own religiosity. And so you ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, yes. I go to church every Sunday. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes. I'm a pastor. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes. I've been an elder in my church for 30 years. Oh, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a deacon who serves in my church. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I belong to a good Christian family. You see, you ask the question, and what are they doing? They're basing their lives upon things they do. But they haven't actually come to Jesus and rested upon him as he offers himself in the gospel. And this is what Jesus speaks about in Matthew 7 when he's talking about the final judgment. In Matthew 7, 22 through 23, he says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them. And these are words we never want to hear from the Lord Jesus. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. As Jesus is talking about a group of people who listen to his words, but they are building their lives on ground that will not hold when it is tested. Jesus is saying that the test will come, perhaps in this lifetime, in God's providence, or in through some other means. But you see, Jesus loves them enough to tell them of what the result will be. When their house is tested, he says, its ruin will be great. Trouble, trouble will come and their whole world will collapse. And if it doesn't happen in this life, dear friends, it will happen in the final judgment when all of our hearts are exposed before God. But he's also saying, Jesus is saying in this passage, but there is a rock solid foundation you can build upon. What is that foundation, dear friends? It is our rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. There is only one foundation and it is Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing in us, nothing in this world is a sufficient foundation for having a relationship with the Lord or living this life apart from Christ. And the only foundation that will will truly support us is when we dig deep down and place our hopes and our dreams and our lives upon the rock Jesus Christ and we build our lives on him and his word. That's what Jesus is saying to us in this passage. It's not cheap grace or religiosity that will support us in the trials and troubles and storms. It's Christ and his work upon the cross that will hold us secure. He is the Savior. He is the rock. He is the the cornerstone, the foundation laid in Zion. And he alone is sufficient to hold us up. And so upon him we can build our lives, we can build our faith, we can build our eternity upon Jesus. And so the question for us as we think about how Jesus closes out this sermon, what kind of life are you building today? Jesus is asking. But even more pointedly, what are you building that house upon? Is it grounded on the rock the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you, are you digging deep down and building your life and your faith upon him and then living by his word? Today, here we are, we're, we're hearing the word of God together. What will we do? Will we simply listen or will we listen and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ? My friends, have you you come to him? Have you come to him in faith? If not, cry out to him and, and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, give me ears to hear and a heart to receive and begin to transform my life. And dear friends, if you have come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, 
you see what Jesus is saying to you today? He's posing this question. Are you building your life upon me? And are you seeking to live by my word? Dig deep down and build your house upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and live by his word. Place yourself upon him. Rest upon him and then seek to follow all that he has said. And what does Jesus tell us will the result, result will be? Your life will never be shaken. And let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for our rock, the foundation of Zion, the Lord Jesus Christ, a sure foundation. Help us today to rest upon him and to build our lives upon him. Lord, help us to dig deep down and to place our life and our hopes and our dreams upon the author and perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, because of your Spirit's work in our hearts, help us to live by his word. We pray all of this in the name of our rock, our foundation, our cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.